Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome, and we're glad you're with us. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm joined here in the studio on the 70th floor of the RCA building in New York City (laughs) by my good friend, Kayam Shepard. Welcome, my brother. Hey, glad to be here, Jason. Kayam is the lead pastor at Sons of Issachar Ministry here in Kinston and a leader in the gospel in our community and beyond in several ways, and we're going to talk about that, but we have to do something right up front. This is the fourth time we've tried to do this. Number four. <laughs> Number four. We actually sat in these chairs two times in the spring and recorded, and unbelievably, you know, we've recorded 30 or 35 episodes of Encounter Grace, 60 episodes of Daily Grace. The only two we've ever had trouble with are you. Mm. <laughs> and then we tried to get here another time, and you had workers at the house that they, you know, whatever, I don't oh, yeah. know, with the roof leaks. Roof, so, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not one to attribute things to spiritual warfare everywhere, but I think, you know, the enemy does not want you and me encouraging the people listening to this. There's something to I that. Kayam, so. uh, here we are, take four. <laughs> the first two were great. Um, I've gotten to know you over these last two years, and I cannot wait to have you share with folks how you love Jesus, how he has rescued you, and what he's doing in and through you. And I've just really, you just need to know this up front, I have grown uh, in my respect for you and love for you uh, in incredible ways over these last two years. So thank you for blessing my life. Oh, thank you. Likewise, the feelings are mutual. (laughs) Well, before this gets too mutual admiration society, (laughs) but let me just say, tell us a little bit about Sons of Issachar Ministries, because that's where your pastor, right Right. here in K-Town. When did it start, and what's your heartbeat? Well, um, Sons of well, SOI, as we call it, um, started in 2017. Uh, It's a small church plant. Uh, I call it a small church with a very large, very large reach. I love it. And um, it's a church plant that's more of an equipping center. Uh, It's it's not so much a gathering church, Mm -hmm. but it's more or less a training center, a training Mm -hmm. center and a sending church. And so um, I love it. I love the people. And um, we're specifically geared on teaching and training people, raising up leaders, uh, equipping them in the gospel, giving them something that I noticed that's kind of missing uh, in our current culture, which is simply a biblical um, foundation. Hmm. Um, I see a lot of structures being built, but you can't build a solid structure without a solid foundation. Yeah, that's true. And so people are building structures and don't have the foundation in Christ. Who said that about rock and sand? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the two men built a house. Yeah, One man. built his house on the rock. Yep. The other built his house on the sand. And when the storms came, and the storms definitely will yeah. come, yeah. the one whose house was built on the sand fell, and great was the fall. Yeah. <clears throat> but the one who built his house on the solid foundation, the rock, mm-hmm. when the storms came, his house still was standing. And so the rock, of course, is Jesus. He's the foundation uh, or what I call the substratum Hmm. of anything that we build on. And and what Hmm. I've been seeing across the landscape, especially here, is a lot of Christians that don't have a biblical 
they're trying to build without being solid in their foundation. Yeah. And that's why you see people um, that leave the faith and follow after strange doctrines and um, doctrines of devils and right. they go in here, they toss to and fro mm -hmm. because they don't have anything that's, that, that's not built on a strong foundation. Uh, when the storms of life come, they get blown anywhere. Yeah, so, yeah that's right. You know, that's, that's what we're, that's a major focus. At well, and, and part of that comes out of your own story because your story is blown everywhere before Jesus everywhere. Christ. Tell us about how Christ rescued you. Tell us the story of you coming to Christ. Well, um, I'm going to um, condense it. I, <laughs> you know, um, I think a lot, a lot, you know, my story has a lot to do with um, rejection and abandonment. Um, my mom died from childbirth, and uh, she had an option. One of the reasons, you know, people kind of look at me sideways when I speak against abortion, it's not a political rant. It doesn't have anything to do with my political views. It's just um, my mom had an option during that time in 1964 she was admonished by the doctors to abort me hmm. in order to live. She was assured that if she didn't abort, she was going to die. Wow. And um, she refused. Wow. You know, because of her upbringing through my grandparents, specifically my grandmother, who was a woman, a great woman of God. Hmm. And um, she did die. She did wow. die. But my father, when she died, my father abandoned Hmm. And so by him abandoning me at birth, it left a sense of rejection because I never knew him and abandonment. And so I struggled with that throughout my life. And it led me to some places down some wrong paths. And through those places and paths, um, I was in the military and just, you know, even in then it, the places that led me eventually led me down a path of um, cocaine addiction, mm. crack cocaine addiction. Wow. And so, you know, I went through all of the pitfalls of addiction, you know, homelessness and, um, I mean, everything, you name it. I mean, I, I was there. And um, it, it's crazy because I would fix myself, I thought, and it would last for six months. And I'm, I'm good. You yeah, know, I right, can, right. I can quit when I want to. Yeah. And, uh, for six months, yeah, I'm good, you know, doing well. And then maybe on the seventh month, hmm. the enemy would pull the bottom from under me, and I'm right back where I was. And I might go for six more months, you know, in the gutter, hmm. and I clean myself up. But what I understand now, a dead man can't resurrect himself. <laughs> he has to have Amen. God. It takes God to resurrect the dead. Mm -hmm. And I understand now that, when you're outside of Christ, you're dead. Yeah. And um, you're in need of a Savior to bring you from death to life. So, you know, the last day of living in death, um, I got high all day. Mm. And I mm. think I had, I was married then, and, and I hid my addiction from my wife during the period when I had cleaned myself up. And then I slipped back into addiction, and then she knew something was wrong. My wife didn't. She was an old country girl. She didn't know anything about too much about drugs and narcotics. Right. And, 
but she knew something was wrong. And, mm. and I finally had to tell her, broke her heart. But she mm. she stayed with me, <laughs> and I mean, I took her through the ringer. And um, I remember she had went to work one day, and man, I was, I, we had a VCR, <laughs> and I sold it. <laughs> I pawned it. Oh, man, you pawned it. And um, spent the money on drugs. And then Mm. I just, after uh, anybody can tell you that knows anything about crack cocaine, after you get high, there's an immediate, intense uh, depression sets Mm. in. I mean, almost immediately. And so I was, you know, I didn't want to go home. And then toward the end of that day, it started getting dark. And uh, I was just really, really depressed. And I'll never forget this, Jason. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> this this young kid was in this house I was in. He was selling drugs. And I kind of begged him for some. And he took some crumbs and he threw them on the floor. And I got down on the floor and scooped those crumbs up. Wow. And I smoked them. And I'm telling you, I have never been that high before. I'm hmm. like, it like, just... I just never been that high before. I understand now the enemy knew that that was his final chance. Mm. And so even through that, the Holy Spirit began to work. And uh, I'm sitting there like paranoid and numb and like can't think. And and so this guy came and said, look, man, uh, this guy I work for getting ready to give me $200. You cool with me, man? We're gonna buy some stuff and we're gonna get high. Now that's a dream come true. Right, right. He said, "I'm gonna go around the corner and get my car, and I'll come back and pick you up." I said, "All right." Mm-hmm. I just got up and started walking home. It started raining. Wow. I don't know why. I'm just walking home in the rain, tears coming down my face. I didn't know then. The Holy Spirit was arresting me. Yeah. And he was drawing me. When I got to the house, my wife's standing in the door. She said, mm-hmm. you better have some money. <laughs> and this time, she didn't argue. She looked at me and she said, you're pitiful. Mm. And um, I couldn't say anything. So yeah, right. She got the girls. She went in our room and she closed the door. I knew that it was over. Hmm. I knew she was done because she was getting ready to get pack up and go to, back to her mom's house. <clears throat> so I went in one of my, my youngest daughter's room and I just sat down and I cried. Mm-hmm. And then I began to pray. <laughs> and I ain't talking about no, now nah, lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I talked to the Lord like I'm talking to you, and I told Jesus, I said, I believe that you died for my sins. I said, I need help. Wow. I said, I try to help myself. I can't help myself. I said, I'm beyond help. Hmm. The enemy told me to kill myself. Hmm. I'm telling you, just as clear as day, I could hear it in my mind. Kill yourself. Because you're no good to anybody. Right. And if you kill yourself, at least your family can get insurance money. Mm. Lies. Right, right, right. And so I told the Lord, I said, I I need help. I said, I'm hopeless. 
that I don't have anybody to turn to. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm at my end. Um, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. And I said, I need help today, not tomorrow, not mm-hmm. next week. I said, you got to get this monkey off my back, Lord. Mm. Mm. And I said, if you get this monkey off my back, I'll give you my life. Mm. Wow. I'll give up everything. I'll follow you, and I'll tell the world of your goodness. Mm-hmm. But I need help today. Yeah. yeah. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for my sins. I confess my sins, all of them. I surrender. I give up. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I believe you died on that cross and that you rose on the third day. That's why it's so important that we tell people the gospel. And because mm-hmm. I had heard the gospel, I knew what to pray. Isn't that amazing? Even though you didn't be- believe the gospel or had surrendered earlier, you knew it. I knew and you it. just, Lord, this is me and this is you. And because I'm I didn't want you. it. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, didn't want to be. Before. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be saved. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be a Christian. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, you know, how people say the miserable life of sin. <laughs> I like my life of sin <laughs> until until it crippled me. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's a sin is a setup. Mm-hmm. It, it, set, it gives you all the pleasure, and then it snatches it from you. And it destroys you. It's a slow death. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm telling you, mm. there, there were no smoke. There were no elders laying hands. No angels start singing. Um, no butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it was nothing. And I, I invited him to take control of my life. Yeah, and it was everything. And that was it. Wow. And something that I happened that never happens on a cocaine bench. I lay down on the floor and went to sleep. Hmm. That's impossible. Hmm. The next morning, I wake up, take a shower, change clothes. I say I'm going to church. I didn't understand. I was saved. Right. Then. Right. You didn't even know. I feel I need to go to church go to the altar, and so I walk out the house. My wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. She said, yeah, right. <laughs> church. So uh, <laughs> I'm walking down the street, and we had a little old car. A little, I think it was a little old something. You can hear it before you see it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I walked about, I had been walking about 20 minutes. And I heard the car coming. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> so she came up to where I was, and she said, get in. What church are you going to? I said, I don't even know. Mm-mm. She said, well, get in. I'm going to make sure you get there, wherever you're going. <laughs> so I went to a church on the corner of Eastern Vernon. Mm-hmm. And it's, cr- it's crazy because right across the street from that church was a, a crack house where I spent many days, mm-hmm. me and maybe 50 other people, and I remember not one time during all their revivals, Mm. all of their Bible studies, all of their Sunday services, did one person from that church cross that street and offer us any hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never forgot that, but I still went. 
I don't know what the preacher preached. Right. I just know when he did the altar call, I went down the altar and uh, told him I wanted to be saved. And he prayed for me, you know, went through. Yeah, that. right. I didn't know I was already saved. Yeah, right, right. So on the way home, I left there. And on the way home, everybody that I knew, I stopped by their house, knocked on the door. Some people were like, oh, Lord, what do you want? Yeah. And I said, I'm saved. Wow. They were like, what? I said, wow. I'm saved. Well, what do you want? I said, I just stopped to tell you I'm saved. <laughs> I'm just telling you Jesus changed my life. Yeah. I mean, everybody wow. that I knew passing by or if I knew their house, I stopped and I told everybody that I'm saved. And here's the most remarkable thing. When I got home, I went in the house and I told my wife, I said, baby, the Lord saved me. Hmm. Now, my wife has a, I'm telling you, she has a, believe it or not, she has a keen gift of discernment, hmm. even then. I would, I could lie, and it's the way she could look at me, and <laughs> she could see. I, I'm like, God, why you give her this? She yeah. could see through me, and she could, she would always know. Hmm. This time she looked at me, and she just said, um, okay. Hmm. So I went home, and I didn't know what I was reading. I just started reading the Bible. They had no clue what I was reading, and I just stayed home all day. And what's crazy is, Jason, I was, I was working a job, and I missed work that Saturday night, and I supposed to have been fired. Hmm. I also didn't pay. I, was, I, I had did something, and I was on probation and I didn't pay and that Friday I was supposed to pay they were supposed to violate me I was supposed to go to jail so I had all this stuff on right. me and we were supposed to be evicted because mm. 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 I messed up the, the rent everything so all this stuff was on me but I was at peace so that Monday I went to work anyway I was fine Everything worked out. Wow. Everything. Now, here comes the test. Thursday night, I got paid. Usually, yep. we get our checks at 7 in the morning. Usually, about 3 o'clock, I get the bubblies in my stomach. <laughs> I mean, like I know what's 7, coming. yeah, I'm off to the races. Mm -hmm. This time, I got my, pay, my check. I went home, took me a shower, and went to bed. Wow. First time in years. Got up, cashed my check, went to the grocery store, brought some steaks, made salad, grilled the steaks, and I sat on my back porch and just cried for mm. hours. <laughs> wow. God redeemed you, man. Kayam, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. I mean, what a story of the rescue of God. I'm telling you, brother. That was 25 years ago. Wow. I never relapsed. God's grace. <clears throat> God rescued me from drugs, mm. alcohol. I don't knock 
don't get me wrong, I don't knock um, the programs. I don't knock rehab. No, right, right. Twelve steps. Lots I, of I, tools. This hand for me. I don't mm-hmm. knock the tools. Yeah. But for me, God did that, and then I guess my rehabilitation was quickly getting in a local church yeah. and getting involved and sitting and being discipled. Well, it's kind of, it's, it's a little, I mean, the way you tell the story, God got you up out of that house. You walked home, you didn't even know why, and then you went to church the next day and you didn't even know why, and you were saved, you didn't even know you were saved, and then you got in the <laughs> Word and you, didn't, and you knocked on the doors. And it's like Jeremiah 1, like God just, you know, you didn't know it, but I've set you apart from birth. And right. he has a different path for everyone. And for you, it was this. And here you are today with such a heart, not just for the Lord, but for the community and for people to meet the Lord. Because right. that's, that's right. your heart. And you've already expressed it, Sons of Issachar, SOI. It's an equipping ministry, an equipping church, and a, and a reach beyond. Um, Kayam, thank you for just encouraging us and just, I mean, really. You made me tell that. Seriously, man. yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, and, and hopefully we don't have to do it a fifth time. <laughs> hopefully it works. But here's the deal. Okay. I'm, I'm taking your story and saying, because you this actually, you've told this with more detail now than I've ever heard before, and I've heard you tell it several times. But now I'm seeing the fingerprints of God putting in place the DNA of your life now, which is right. you live to equip others. And I want to oh, yeah. ask about a couple of key things that are part of your equipping legacy. Number one, the League of Distinguished Young Men. Honorable Young Men. Uh, honorable Young Men. I'm yeah. sorry. League of Honorable Young Men. Tell us about that just quickly. Well, the League of Honorable Young Men is, um, I, don't, I don't like calling it a program, but it's something that we do um, with young boys where we teach them what we call the honor code. We teach mm-hmm. them how to honor um, authority. Uh, authority begins in the home, whether you have one parent or two. Uh, if it's one parent, you honor your mom. Uh, then you honor your teachers. Mm-hmm. You honor all authority. And the next piece is you have to honor your life. Mm-hmm. Your life is precious, so you honor your lives by not getting involved in anything that can possibly, in the future, take your life from you. Hmm. And you honor your peers. You honor each other. And so, um, and specifically honor women. Mm -hmm. Honor girls. Honor women. Um, The last, we take them once a month. We usually take them outside of Kinston, outside of Lenore County. We take them to the zoo. We take them different field trips outside of Lenore County so they can get exposed to different things, different culture, different yeah. environments. And last month it was it was really good because two young ladies went with us. And so um, when we stopped for a bathroom break, they got out of the seatbelts and they started rushing to the door. And I said, wait, 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 hold on. What are y'all doing? Do you see the young ladies? <clears throat> So that was a teachable moment. Right. I began to teach them about honoring the girls. Mm-hmm. You always honor the girls mm-hmm. first. They always get off first. One of you should be down helping the young ladies off. When they get back on, you should help them on. They always get off and get on first, and you open the doors for them. 
And I'm telling you, with kids, you don't have to tell them but once, and they were kind of arguing to see who get to help them down. And, <laughs> no, it's my turn. <laughs> Let me I love it. And um, also teaching them about abuse mm-hmm. to women. You mm-hmm. don't hit girls. Yeah, you right, don't push. Right, you don't right. shove. You protect. Teaching them about protecting women. Mm-hmm. Um, a work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just trying to teach them things that they should know. Prepare because our boys need to be prepared to be godly husbands. Right. Right. You know, you don't wait until he's twenty five years yeah. old to try to teach him and tell him how to be a husband. We have to start teaching our boys early how to be to grow into being husbands. Mm-hmm. So that's so great. Yeah. But I love that the honor code. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things you do is you do a, a lot on um, on Zoom and on on Facebook Live and stuff, equipping people. Uh, you know, manhood restored. You just finished. I think that was mm-hmm. in person. Maybe some people on Zoom, but then right. how to study the Bible that's mm-hmm. just started, just started, and and uh, and six or eight sessions on Zoom. But you want to equip men, but also men and women mm-hmm. to to build that biblical foundation. Right, right. I've um, seen you do apologetics days mm-hmm. and seminars with people from around the country. Right, it's just amazing, Kayam. Yeah, I think spe- specifically. In this day and time, uh, it behooves us as believers to be equipped, to be able to um, defend the faith that we believe in. Uh, it's, it's not enough to talk about what my pastor said, and my pastor said, right. you need to talk to my pastor. No, I don't want to hear what your pastor says. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you say Jesus is? Who, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe it? What is the Trinity? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about the Trinity? Is it three gods? Right. Uh, can you explain it? You know, these are things that as Christians, and, and you don't have to be a, a leader per se or a quote-unquote pulpit minister to know these basic, the basic foundational truths of our faith. Every believer should know certain things of our faith as part of our foundation. So, um, you know, that's one of my aims to to equip the believers to be solid in what they know, to be solid in their foundation, um, to be confident that, you know, I know what I believe in. I'm mm-hmm. confident in what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Peter said, always yeah. be ready to give an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So Jude told us um, also um, to be ready to defend the faith. Yeah. Yeah, so, he did. You know, Scripture tells us that we should be prepared um, mm-hmm. to answer these questions. You know, people say, I've heard it for years, well, you know, the Bible will defend itself. No, that's what we're for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what we're for. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not going to do it no. by osmosis. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you live in it, knowing it, loving the Lord through it. Right. Um, well, tell us about the podcast you've just started, The Watchman's Alert. The Watchman's Alert, and uh, like I was telling you earlier, um, one of my sayings is, if you be ready, you don't have to get ready. Mm-hmm. And so what the Watchman does, the Watchman sees danger coming while the villagers are asleep. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the Watchman sounds the alarm so the villagers can prepare for oncoming danger. So the Watchman's Alert is just a podcast that... Um, just alerts us to things that's happening, things that um, that I see that's, you know, potentially uh, taking place 
uh, in the world, um, spiritually and naturally, um, that we need, especially we as believers, need mm. to prepare for. One of the things I think the next podcast is about um, um, false doctrine, mm. uh, our responsibility in dealing with false doctrine. False yeah. doctrine is very prevalent now, hmm. and we have a responsibility in dealing with it. Um, and that's what it talks about. It'll air. Um, well, it's already aired. Yeah, you, I think it's aired yeah, so it's before. it's already aired. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard when we record it. Yeah, but it's already been, no, it's true. Check it out, but yeah, and it's on Facebook on and it's on Anchor, and on people Anchor, can Facebook yep. uh, the Watchman's Alert, page, the Watchman's Alert. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out, uh, and also out on our web page, go to the Scribes Corner. Um, mm. Two of our ministers, Minister Monica Jones. And um, Minister um, Smith, Teresa Smith, mm. oh man, they are eloquent writers. Uh, their 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 blogs are just mind blowing. It's great. They're short. It, it ain't a lot to read, but it's short and powerful, and you'll you'll love it. Just tap mm. go on the website and Scribes Corner. Uh, Scribes Corner. Yeah. It's great. Good content. Good content. Well, Kaim, let me shift us into one final area okay. for our conversation today, because I've loved this. But uh, we really, though we probably knew of each other, we really got to know each other because you and I are, or you're on the board, I'm on the board of advisors, but you're on the board board, the really important one for Hope Prep School. Right. And um, when, a year ago and a half almost, when George Floyd was murdered, um, the folks at Hope said, we need to pray, because as the riots went around the country and the protests and demonstrations, which are good, and then the riots, which are bad. And so we need to pray. So we ended up, you and I, together under, and it was COVID, so we had to be outside. We were under the tree in May or June. Uh, It was June, I guess. And we all were praying together. And then as other people left, you and I and one or two others just kept talking there in the shade. And I just got to know you. And I was like, man, Here's a guy who's just got his head screwed on straight and, and is someone that I want to learn from and I want to partner with and I want to grow alongside of. And that, that need for racial reconciliation and, and all reconciliation really was, uh, was just ignited back then and, and everybody started to get it. And you, you'd say, yeah, we got it for a long time. And I'd say, yeah. well, I'm late to the party and, and we're getting it. And, and you know, um, what do you think... You love Kinston. You love Eastern North Carolina. What do you think is most needed in our community for breakthrough growth, breakthrough healing, breakthrough reconciliation? With the church? Yeah. Let's start there. Collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. Collaboration is key. Um, One thing is collaboration. We got to do more and working together. I, I do know everybody has, has their assignments. Yeah, that's and true. And I understand yep. that. Yep. So that's, you gotta understand that everybody has their assignments. Uh, one of the things I said in a message, maybe a, a couple of weeks ago, is that you know people say, well, the church is divided. No, the church is not divided. Um, local churches have their different assignments, but we're still united under the blood. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like, Bojangles is not divided. They just have different franchises. Uh, yeah. It's still under. Yep. You understand? 
So <laughs> under so, the sweet tea, right? Under the sweet tea. <laughs> so the church isn't necessarily divided, but we can do a better job in collaborating in our communities to make. Our, I, I, I'm going to yeah. say this: once I don't care how much you do, how much money you have, how big your congregation is. One church will never change the trajectory of a community, a city, or a region. It takes the local ecclesia yeah, yeah, that's coming right. together that's it. Um, to effectuate change, pooling minds, po- pooling resources, coming together. If we ever get that concept of kingdom citizens working in concert, we could damage the kingdom of darkness until we <laughs> I do love that. It. Until yeah. we do that, we're just spitting in the wind. We're shooting blanks. We might, we're shooting blanks. We might affect a pocket here mm-hmm. and a pocket there, but we won't do any significant um, or see any significant change until we link arms and we come together. And, and I love that. And, and I love that about you being on the board at Hope Prep, which the idea there is to bridge all the gaps in our community, Hispanic, right. black, white, and to bring together families in education. I love you being super involved now with The Gate, where, oh, yeah. you know, Coach Mike is the executive director now, and I love what God's doing there. And Coach Mike, because of your leadership, I think, is bringing in all sorts of churches because oh, yeah. that's just yet another hub of gospel ministry that can really reach into communities. And the word collaboration, like you don't, you just don't need to have a meeting about unity. We got to have a meeting about something, and that brings unity. That brings <laughs> let's, unity. You know, let's right. serve the church. Well, let me let me ask you two two tough questions right at the end, okay. um, kind of at the risk of oversimplifying or lumping everyone in together. But because you've already shared your heart with us, I'm going to ask you to share your heart just a little bit more. Okay. What do you wish believers who are white would grow in as grow we in. think of God healing our racial wounds as a community and a country? And then I'm going to ask the same thing for believers who are black. So, uh, our, our Caucasian siblings need to grow in more grace um, in their, their worldview toward people of color. Hmm. Also, yeah. when they see people in their space or in their family or in their church that espouse a worldview that's counter kingdom or counter hmm. gospel, that goes against loving your neighbor as you love yourself or they're speaking in that manner when it comes to other ethnicities they got to call them on the carpet yeah yeah it's your responsibility i i can't do it i'm not there it's your responsibility to check them right and say wait wait we don't do that we don't do that you know, you sometimes it might be a rebuke. Mm-hmm. Yep. The gospel is profitable for rebuke. It is. It's true. So that stuff shouldn't be named in the household of faith. Mm. So we have Amen. to, that stuff have to be dealt with because um, if it's not dealt with, it 
mutates. Right. Right. Like every falsehood. Like every falsehood. In a church, it mutates and it poisons the congregation. So it has to be dealt with. It has to Mm -hmm. be checked. I did a a, um, Bible study for Pastor Justin on racism in the church. Mm. And I had to really, really prepare it. But when I did it, and then did an altar call and did it with love and grace. Right, right. Not scolding no, and shaming, love see, and grace. See, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to do it and present it with love and grace. And when I did it, people came yeah, because they right. didn't know. Yeah, I mean, you, right. you think, and you can't think people, people are, yeah. their worldview is shaped by their environment. Right, oftentimes. right, right, absolutely. So that's why we have to present biblical truths to shine the light. Yeah, yep. And if their heart is right, once the light is shined, they, oh, okay, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Let me repent. And you see God work. And you see God work. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. What would you say to black so, brothers and sisters to say, here's one thing you need to grow in for reconciliation? So even with CRT, one of the things I see that, that's not right with it is it lumps all Caucasians into to one pile. It, hmm. It's like a lot of blanket statements. And you can't do that because all Caucasians are not the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like all blacks eat chicken and watermelon. Right. Stereotype. Yeah. Yep. And so we can't do that. Um, we have to, what I would tell my brothers and sisters, even when we see one thing, stop watching the news. <laughs> I tell the, I tell everybody that. Stop watching the news. Mm. With us, and I'm, I'm I'm telling you from my own personal experiences, it's because of our history. It's easy for us to get pulled in emotionally when we see things that the news presents to us that looks like, you know, they're killing us. And yeah, right. I've heard people say, the police are just killing all of us. Well, have there been some, some innocent mm-hmm. black men killed by the police? Yes. Absolutely. But that's not every case. Mm-hmm. That's not every case. You got to step before you just follow the narrative of the news, you got to step back and start doing some critical thinking. Then you need to step back and wait until everything's brought out in the open. Because a lot of times we end up with egg on our face Mm. when we see the whole thing exposed for what it really is. Right. So I'm saying don't let your emotions take you out there and, um, you know, just – Think. Start using your critical thinking skills because we are an intelligent people. Mm-hmm. So don't let yeah, our emotions right. drive us. Mm-hmm. Let the news lead us this way and lead us that way and take us this way. Because that's, believe it or not, they're trying to control us through the media. I used to hear that. I didn't believe it. But now that I know it's true. I don't watch the news because right. I know it's a control. Um, it's a form of control. Yeah, yeah. I know it is. 
And that's the, the, the basic principles, the elemental principles of the world trying to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And it goes back to your point of biblical foundation, like your whole heart, the day you got saved, you opened the Bible, and like that has become your life, and everybody needs a biblical foundation. I love that. So this is what I'm telling my white siblings and my, 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 my black siblings. You got to start seeing life through a biblical lens. Mm -hmm. You have to have a biblical worldview. Yeah. Too many of us are seeing the world through the lens of the world. Right. We got to start seeing the world through a biblical lens. Only truth, the only way you're going to discern truth, you got to see it through the lens of the scriptures. Yeah. And if you don't see, if you can't see life through the lens of the scriptures, then everything you're seeing is cloudy. You're not seeing truth. Jesus is truth. So his word you is truth. It. Yeah. Well, that's the best place we could end. <laughs> Jesus is truth and his word is truth. And Kayam, I just thank you for sharing your life with us and your story and then your burden and then these thoughts because you have really encouraged me and I think everyone who's watching or listening. And so thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me again for the fourth time. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have you on a different reason for a fifth and sixth time. Okay. And thank you all for joining us and we'll see you thank next you. time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.